0: If you have your Bible, why don't you open your Bible with me to Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to begin there this morning. Uh, Last Sunday, if you were out in Mamu chasing chickens, you missed it, but we started a series called The Kingdom Economy, and uh, we're calling it The Kingdom Economy in honor of Brother Francis, who uh, 99.9% of everything I know about about finances I learned from Brother Francis. And in my opinion, the tithing message or financial stewardship was a life message for him. He taught it like nobody else. And he wrote a book called The Kingdom's Economy. And uh, we got a blue light special on these in the coffee shop if you want one. All right. But I just want to mention that. And the Bible talks about that uh, we, you and I, we belong to two kingdoms, the kingdoms of this earth, for the kingdom of God. Amen. And uh, we can operate in one of two economies, the kingdom of this world or the kingdom of God. How many of you believe it would be better if we operate in the kingdom of God? Amen. And so the choice of which economy we are going to live in and operate under uh, is, is our decision to make. So let's pray and ask God to help us. Father, I pray that you help us, teach us. Lord, give us the grace today to be able to grasp the truth that's in your word. Thank you, Father, for giving me the grace to preach and giving the grace for the hearers to hear and thank you in advance for what you're doing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A little side note, in about, uh, about 10, 15 minutes, some people are going to be getting to church one hour late. Don't say anything, though. Just smile, all right? All right, so... In Matthew chapter six and verse 24, it says, no one can serve two masters for either will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And so according to Jesus, the key to living in the kingdom economy is biblical giving. Then he says in verse 19, don't store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, according to Jesus, biblical giving is what allows you to come under God's spirit and blessing over your finances. It's how you tap into the kingdom economy. Amen? And so last week, we talked about three avenues of giving the Bible speaks of. One is tithing, which means the 10th part or the first 10th of your increase. The other one, the second one is offerings, which is a voluntary financial gift given over and above the tithe to support a minister, ministry, or outreach, anything that's building the kingdom of God. And number three, there's alms, which is a financial gift of mercy given to the helpless, like the poor, the physical handicapped, the unborn, the orphans, and the widows. But it all starts with biblical tithing. So let's unpack that a little bit further this morning. Living in the kingdom's economy starts with the tithe, not with offerings and not with alms. It starts with tithing. Boy, I love how many amens I got right there. Malachi 3.10 says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not, if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven, pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. Now, it says in that verse, bring the tithe into the storehouse. The storehouse means the local church house, the place where you're spiritually fed. It was the modern day church. And it says, bring the tithe. It doesn't say give the tithe to the storehouse. It says bring. We can't give the tithe because the tithe is not ours to give. It belongs to the Lord. I'm going to say that again. We can't give the tithe. We don't give the tithe. We bring the tithe to the storehouse. Why? Because the tithe is not ours to give. And by the way, all of it is his. This might be surprising to you, but all of it is his. And if he wants it, he'll take it. Hey, just a thought. And so that's why before you can give an offering or alms, you should first give the tithe unto the Lord. Leviticus 27.30 says, A tithe of everything from the Lord, or tithe everything from the land, where the grain from the soil, fruit from the trees, it belongs to the Lord and It is holy to the Lord. A tithe of all our increase belongs to the Lord. It's holy to the Lord. Brother Francis used to use that analogy whenever they brought the Ark of the Covenant uh, the Philistines, it was a holy thing and they weren't supposed to have the holy thing and they started having, they started having hemorrhoids because they were holding the holy thing. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, they, and so they brought the ark back to the children of Israel. They said, here, here the holy thing. But the Bible calls it a holy thing. It's, it's a, it's really an important thing. A tithe of all of our increase belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. Now listen, not everyone believes in tithing, in biblical tithing. And some believe that we don't have to tithe anymore because tithing is part of the Old Testament law and we live under grace. How many of you have ever heard of that? I've heard it. People tried to talk me out of tithing. But hold on, just because we live under grace, does that mean we no longer have to obey the principle of tithing? Well, let's let's talk about it. Think of this. The 10 commandments were given as a part of what? The the law or grace? Right, it's the law. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not lie. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's goods. But do we no longer follow the Ten Commandments? Because it was Old Testament, It was given under the law, and we're now living under the grace, so we no longer follow them? Obviously not, right? How many of you believe people should steal Stay faithful to their wife. How many of you believe that? How many of you believe you people should not steal from you? How many of you believe that? How many of you believe people should not lie to you? How many of you believe that? Yeah. Yeah. In fact, Jesus, the message of grace, Jesus says goes beyond the law. In, Malachi, in Matthew 5:21, he said, Jesus said, You've heard the ancients were told, you shall not commit murder. And whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. But I say to you, that everyone who is angry with his brother shall not be shall be guilty before the court. He said, it's not good enough that you don't murder. You can't be angry with people, right? In, in verse 27, he says, you've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery where, with her in his heart. So the law says don't commit adultery. Jesus says under grace, don't even look lustfully at a woman. How many of you know that's beyond the law right there? As you can clearly see, the message of grace actually requires us to go beyond the Old Testament law. So we can't use the excuse, I don't have to tithe because it's part of the Old Testament law, and we're under grace. Example, Abraham, the father of our faith, right? He's considered the father of our faith. He practiced tithing 430 years before the law was ever given. The Bible tells us in Genesis 14, Abraham returned from his victory over Kedolomor and all his allies, and the king of Sodom went out to meet him in the valley of Shevab. That is the king's valley. And Melchizedek, the king of Salem, and a priest of God most high, bought Abraham some bread and wine. Melchizedek blessed Abraham with this blessing. Blessed be Abraham by God most high, Creator of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high, who has defeated your enemies for you. Then Abraham gave Melchizedek a tenth of all the goods he had, he had recovered. So Abraham tithed a tenth of all that he recovered from defeating his enemies. And, and so once he had gained his victory, and he, he tithed it to the priest Melchizedek. Now, if you go to New Testament in Hebrews 5 and 7, we found out that Melchizedek is a type and shadow of Jesus Christ. And so here's the point. Tithing is not part of the Old Testament law. It's a life-giving principle of grace. Proverbs 3.9 says, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. Honor the Lord with your possessions. Tithing is an, an act of honor. It's an act of worship. You know, I heard somebody say it's an instinctive reaction of the human heart to the presence and grace of God in our lives. I love that. We don't tithe because of an Old Testament obligation or or, or, or ritualistic law, but we tithe as an act of worship and honor and reaction to the presence and grace of God. How many of you are grateful for the presence of God over your life? How many of you are grateful
1: for the the touch of God? You know, listen, folks, I am right now, I'm just overwhelmed with gratitude. You know why? Because, man, there's hardly a Sunday that goes by that whenever I I know I'm the pastor and I'm supposed to show up here. But I'm so
0: grateful to be in church. I'm so grateful that I have faith to want to serve God. I'm so grateful that when I put my head down on the pillow at night, I don't have to worry if I don't wake up in the morning where my eternity is going to be. I am so grateful to be a child of the Most High God. Amen. Aren't you grateful? Oh, man, we should be grateful, right? Tithing is an instinctive response of the human heart to the presence and the grace of God. Now, why should every Christian tithe? The first reason every Christian should tithe is tithing puts God first in my life. In, in Matthew 6:33, it says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Now, contained in this one verse is the principle and the promise. And the principle is this, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. I want you to notice it says, first his kingdom and his righteousness the promises all these things necessary things for living will be given to you so seeking first means it has to become a top priority in your life not not a not a, a an added thing in your life not a if i get to it's got to be a top priority are y'all hearing me out here this morning tithing what tithing does is it allows us to put god and keep God first in our hearts because our hearts have a way of wandering away from God and chasing other things and worshiping other things, even if it's ourself. Amen. And so tithing helps us to keep our heart right. Deuteronomy 14, says, you must tithe all your crops every year. Bring this tithe to eat before the Lord your God at the place he shall choose, at his sanctuary, This applies of your tithes, your grain, your new wine, your olive oil, and the firstborn of your flocks and herds. The purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God first in your lives. See, we got to understand this, that God is not going to go broke if I quit tithing. God's kingdom is not going to slow down if we keep our tithe in our pocket. How many of you know God is going to finance his kingdom And the reality is we get a chance to be a part of it. Amen? So here's the profound reality. The purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your life. Now, notice it says here to tithe the firstborn of your flocks. Why the firstborn? Well, because according to Exodus 13, the first portion has the power to redeem the rest. The firstborn has the power to redeem the rest. This is the essence of Paul's message that he gives us in Romans 11 in verse 16. If the part of the dough offered as firstfruits is holy, then the whole batch is holy. If the root is holy, so are the branches. So we can see the principle again here. The first portion has the power to redeem the rest. So why should our tithe be the firstfruits? Because it's the principle of putting God first. That's what it is. It's saying God you're the most important thing in my life. You're not like one of many gods I have. You are the God. You are the only one and there's none like you. You are the king of kings and the lord of lords. Amen. Proverbs 3 9 says honor the lord with your possessions and with the First fruits of all your increase, so your borns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. You know, if it's not the first fruits, then it's the last fruits or the second to last fruits or the middle fruits, but the first fruits, that's important, right? Now, so there's so many blessings that go along with tithing, but it's the principle of putting God first that really initiates the blessing. I want to do an exercise I read about recently and ask you a couple of questions. I got some moolah right here, some cold cash. It's dollar bills, okay? Before you get, you know, before you you come running up here. But I want to do an exercise uh, that I read about. I want to ask you a couple of questions concerning the first fruits tithe. Now, so I have $10 right here in my hand, $10 bills. And uh, how much is the tithe on that money? $1, right? So in $10, how much is the tithe? $1. But now let me ask you a more difficult question. Which one of the $10 bills is the tithe? Yeah, you you obviously would say the first one. Well, okay, let me ask you another question.
1: Which one is the first one? Is it the one to my right or is it the one to my left? Should, Should it be left, right? If I'm right-handed, it should be the right. If I'm left-handed, it should be the left. Here's the answer. The first one I spend is the first fruits. See, so when we get our paycheck, the
0: first fruits is the first check we make with the money that we get in our paycheck. See, it's not just giving. It's giving it first. Seek first the kingdom of God. Why? Because it's putting God first. Are y'all tracking with me? And so listen, the first money you spend out of your paycheck represents your first fruits, and the first portion that you give redeems the rest and carries the blessing. Amen? It's the first portion that helps you keep your heart right and keeps God in the center of your life.
1: Amen? Man, aren't you glad he don't say, keep one and give nine?
0: He says, you just give me one, you keep nine. He's a good God, isn't he? The second reason every Christian should tithe is tithing keeps me from trusting in my riches. Now what's interesting is, you know, still on America's paper currency is the words. In fact, I looked this morning at the back of this dollar bill and I, and I pulled out, uh, some bigger
1: dollar bills, bigger currency. And on the back of American currency, still, It says right here,
0: in who? In God we trust. That's what's on our currency. When they started producing currency in America, they said we need to put on our currency in God we trust. Wow, that's interesting, isn't it? Now, let me ask you a question. Would you say America's governmental leadership, America as a whole, trust in God or money? If you need some help with that, I'll help you. Money. They don't want God nowhere in our business. They don't want God in the White House. They don't want God in the schoolhouse. They don't want God in your house. They putting their trust in money. Amen. Well, let me ask you
1: another question. Who do you depend more off, more on in life? God or money? Well, I think it depends. I know that's the right answer, but it depends. It depends on how much power and control money has over you. Because if
0: money has power over you, then you're trusting in money, not in God. I know that's a tough statement I just said right there. But how many of you know that's the gospel truth, brothers and sisters? Paul told Timothy to warn the rich not to trust in the uncertainty of riches, but to trust God Who richly provides us all things to enjoy. Now, let me just, let me just, let me just mention right now. When Paul says tell the rich, if you live in America, you're considered to be part of the affluent and the rich people in the world today. Most of, most, the, the person that has, the person in America that makes the least has more income than 90% of the entire world. So rich
1: doesn't mean you got so much money it'll choke them you. Right? You like that, huh, Richard? So First
0: Timothy 6.17 says this, Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their
1: which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in who richly gives us We
0: need for our enjoyment. See, our challenge today is really not to rely on our money to meet our new needs and provide comfort, security, and identity. See, some people, their identity is their car they drive, the house they live in, the the jewelry they have on their hands. Right? Are y'all with me out there? You know, some people, it's the power it gives them. And so they trust in their security, their comfort is in what they have, not in who they serve. Amen. And so we have to be careful to not allow our trust to be more in in God we trust and not in money we trust. Come on, y'all help me preach this morning. Amen. And so what's the solution to not falling into the trap of riches? The solution is biblical tithing. If you read the next verse in 1 Timothy 6, he said, tell them to learn how to give. How many of you know giving is the antidote to selfishness? Giving is the antidote to, to greediness. Giving is the antidote to breaking the power of riches off your life. In Matthew 6, 21, Jesus said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your heart always follows your giving. Your heart will always be where your treasure is. Now, it doesn't say where your heart is, there your treasure will be. It says where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Another way to say it is what you invest in, your heart will tend to put its confidence in. What you invest in, your heart will rely on to be its provision, its comfort, its security, and its identity. Tithing is the antidote to materialism and keeps you from trusting in riches and keeps your heart right with God. Because listen, when you put your trust in riches, it will automatically turn your heart away from God and it will cause you to start worshiping and, and honoring something else and you fall into idolatry. And so tithing is a way to keep riches becoming the idol in our life and to keep Him as King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen? And that's why Jesus said in Matthew six twenty four, No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So Jesus was basically said, we only have room in our hearts for one God, right? And it's either going to be the king of kings, or it's going to be the mighty dollar, amen? So Jesus says, you cannot, listen, you cannot truly rely on God and money at the same time. You cannot truly trust God and money at the same time. Our hearts only have the capacity for one God. And listen, listen, folks, tithing is declaring that God
1: is my source and not my riches. Amen. God is our source. Right. God is our source. And not our riches.
0: You know, years ago, I was telling, I think, Pastor Brady this story, because this is stirring up a lot of cool things. Brother Francis was teaching the kingdom's economy, the stewardship message. And I just got saved and I was working all field. So I heard the tithing message and I said, well, you know, I don't want God to be on my bad side. I want him to be on my good side. And so I'm going to tithe. But it never was a sacrifice for me because I was single. I worked in the all field. I had I could tithe and it, it didn't really mess up my my income. You, you know what I mean? My level of living. And so I was pretty content. You know, it's like, OK, yeah, here you go. And so, but, you know, what happened was um, the Lord began to deal with me about tithing my savings account. And I said, now, wait one minute. That savings account was before I got saved. That's B.C. <laughs> All right. Don't you put your finger on that savings account. Come on, are y'all with me out there. And so, uh, so of course, he kept dealing with me, kept dealing with me. And I was like, man. And and I, I'll tell you, it was about $10,000. And I was like,
1: oh, a $1,000 check? Oh, that squeezes me a little bit. That's a lot of money. And the Lord said, I want you to tithe that. And so, eventually, I caved in. And I can remember writing what seemed like a million-dollar check to me. Cause, you know,
0: whenever I was 18, I thought I was rich, but that only meant I could go buy me a hamburger. You know what I, you know, rich, you don't know what that is, right? And so, but look, whenever I deposited that thousand dollars into the tithing, into the, I don't remember if it was boxes back then or not, but man, two things I'll never forget. The first one was not long, maybe within two weeks of me giving that tithe. My boss called me in the office, and the all field was slowing down. And my boss called me in the office, and I really thought he was either going to lay me off or cut my hours back. And so I went into his office really nervous. And when I sat down, he said, hey, listen. He said, I've been watching you around here, and, man, you're doing a, a really good job, man. You you take initiative. You're working. You, you do things that are not even required of you. He said, man, I, I appreciate
1: you, and I want you to know I'm going to give you a raise and it's going to be $200 a month. Well, I did the math on that. In five months, I got my $1,000 back.
0: Come on, are y'all with me out there? And that went on for years after. How many of you know I got that 1000 back and more? Amen. But you know what? My, that wasn't the biggest blessing. The biggest blessing, the more important blessing, was something that
1: happened in my heart. Something happened in my heart, and I don't know if I can totally relay it to you, but I found and I experienced a new level of freedom. I I just all of a sudden, I felt liberated from CAMCO.
0: I felt liberated from CAMCO being my source. I felt this peace in my life. I can't explain it to you, but I loved it. And it was great. And I was just like, man, what is going on? But, you know, I realized that I was living with a
1: deep-seated fear and anxiety of my future. And whether I would have enough. It was broken off my life. And so, listen, I realized later I was tithing
0: out of obligation, but not out of faith and trust in God. I was just going through the motions. And listen, I want to tell you, if you're a tither, you can't just tithe out of obligation. You need to tithe in faith. Amen. Are y'all with me out there? You need to tithe like you're honoring God and you're saying, God, you're first in my life. Are y'all, are y'all still with me? You see, although I love God, I wanted to serve him with everything in me. I was still trusting in wealth and riches. I was trying to serve two gods. I many of you know tithing keeps you from trusting in riches. The third reason every Christian should tithe is tithing is a test of faith that God always rewards. You know, in Hebrews 11:6 6, it says, Without faith, it's impossible to please him. He who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Y'all believe that? You see, listen, I, I just thought about this, but I, I think this. I think even if tithing was not an accurate principle, I think God would bless me if I sowed finances into his
1: kingdom because the principle is there, right? But he rewards those who diligently seek him. Those who come to God must have faith that he
0: rewards those. What does it take to be a biblical tither? Well, when you have enough money that you can afford to. Is that what it takes to be a biblical tither? I don't think so because there are many wealthy people that have plenty of money, but they don't tithe. Right? Well, someone may, maybe someone who has learned enough about biblical tithing and now they have enough knowledge and understand to begin tithing. No, I don't think that's it either because there are many people who know everything the Bible has to say about tithing and they don't, still don't tithe. What's amazing to me is how deep people will go in a Bible study trying to prove that they don't have to tithe. I had a guy tell me, man, it's Old Testament, I don't have to tithe. I said, listen, man, my experience has been people that talk themselves out of tithing. He says, everything's God, you got to tithe more. I said, well, you know, people that don't tithe, my experience is they tithe less than 10%, certainly not more. You know why? Because it's a hard issue. It's a hard issue. Listen, I think the main ingredient for someone to become a biblical tither is someone who has deep faith in God. Do you trust God is the bottom line? Amen? Tithing is really a test of faith. And that's what Jesus said. Tithers have faith that God will care for them and will reward their obedience and faithfulness to them. Remember Malachi 3, bring the whole tithing to the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. God says tithing is a test a test of faith, you either believe or you don't believe, right? But listen, faithful tithers have faith in God's promises. Listen, folks, although our motive for giving or tithing should not be to get, we don't give to get, that shouldn't be our motive to get God's blessings. But at the same time, we should tithe out of obedience with faith and knowing God's promises that he will bless us. Come on, can I get a better? Amen. Now, let me conclude. Let me conclude. Faithful tithers have faith in the blessings God promises to the tither. They believe in this. And when it says there in verse 10, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. When you bring the tithe into the storehouse, which is the local church, you know, some people think they can tithe wherever they want. That's offerings. That's not tithe. You bring the tithe to the storehouse. The main reason for that,
1: I believe, is because you got to get your control off of it. Because if you're controlling it, you're, you're still controlled.
0: See, some well, I'm a split tither. I, I bring 5% to the church, and I get 5% where I see, no, you're tithing halfway. Or, or you could say you're not tithing at all, because tithing is 10%. Come on, I know this is hard, but come on, this is right down the line right here. And listen, let, let me stop just here for a moment. In January, we talked about prayer and fasting, about our relationship with God. We need to dig in, saints. We can't, we can't put our Christianity on cruise control. We can't be apathetic. We can't just become religious and just show up to church and think that's Christianity. That's not Christianity. You got to seek the Lord. Amen? When we hit February, we talked about relationships. Come on, part of Christianity is if you're married, you gotta learn how to treat one another as husband and wife. And if you got kids, you gotta learn how to love your kids and make them a priority and pour into their lives. Amen? And if you're a a child, you need to learn how to honor your father and mother. It's about relationships, right? Right now we're talking about tithing. You know why? Because it's so important to us. I mean, we can't go get no milk without some dollar bills, right? I mean, Slimco don't care whether I'm a Christian or not. They want a check. Come on, are y'all with me out there? They want a check to pay for that, right? But listen, according to Scripture, tithing opens the windows, the blessings of heaven over your life. And see, here's the thing is I believe that, see, if you look at Malachi 3, what he was addressing was they had drifted from God. And he said, you're robbing me. And so addressing them, coming back to him, he says, you need to bring your tithe and offering. You know why? Because their heart would follow their tithes and offerings. And he knew that. In another Old Testament prophet, he said, listen, you worried about your own houses and you got these elaborate houses and my house is falling apart. He said, you wonder why your money goes right through your pockets. Your purse has got holes in them. It's because you're not honoring me, he says. Come on, how many of you know? Come on, I'm preaching better than you're saying amen right now. So faithful tires have faith in the blessings of God. Number two, faithful tires have faith in God's divine protection. In verse 11, he says, Then I will rebuke the devourer for you so they will not destroy the fruits of the ground, nor will your vine in the field cast its grapes, says the Lord of hosts. God promises to protect the faithful tither from the ravages of the devourer. God will establish a hedge against financial disaster, enabling our possessions to last longer and cause our ninety percent to go further than our hundred percent if we didn't tithe. Y'all believe that? And I see it like this, you know. I see it like this, like, you know, you you've probably seen me use this analogy, but I love I love the umbrella analogy. You see. Tithing puts you in the God's umbrella of protection. That's what it
1: does. It's not that God curses you. You just get out from under the umbrella of protection. But when you tithe, and, you, and it's not tithing, it's putting God first. It's what it is. Of course, the tithe is 10%. But he says, listen, not everybody has to give the same amount. Give in proportion. You get
0: $50,000, $100,000 a month? Well, come on, brother. (laughs) Use a big pencil, right? If you make $10 a month, hey, there you go. Dollar bill right here, right? But you got to understand, when the children of Israel went from Egypt to the promised land, their shoes didn't wear out. Why? Why did their shoes not wear out? God supernaturally caused that Michelin undersole of their sandals to keep going and going like the the energized bunny. Amen. That's a menor paraphrase version right there. But do you get the analogy? This is what it is. And you have to see this. It's faith. It's not money. It's faith. It's your heart right with God. And I wish I could unzip everybody's brain and just put that right there on the side, in the inside of them. Cause listen, that's the best place to live, brothers, is underneath the umbrella. Come on, he'll, come on, how many of you know he's a refuge? Come on, he's a shelter in the storm. Come on. How many of you know, whenever you go through the most difficult trial in your life, you're going to have an umbrella over you. You might go through it, but God will get you through it. And you're going to have provisions to get through it. Listen, you know what? The blessings of God is not dollars and cents. The blessings of God is the favor of God, the grace of God, the peace of God, the love of God, the healing of God, the deliverance of God, the favor of God, the joy of God. Oh, come on. I could go on and on. That's the blessing of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Come on, y'all believe that this morning? If you do, say amen. If you don't, say oh my. <laughs> yeah. Amen. I'm happy. I, I just love just teaching this because it's 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 it took me a long time to get there. But I see how Brother Francis, he just get up here and just boom, let you have it. He he was so, it was so ingrained in him that man, there's no, and you remember the story. Brother Francis, I, I loved, he had these stories, you know, and, and
1: he had his kids, you know, Gwen, and I see Gwen and Debbie here and his babs. He had small kids and they were sick all the time and he was making a measly wage. He, he didn't really have enough.
0: And so they said, you need a tie. A I can't pay my bills now. And, and a, a guy that was discipling said, Francis, if you tithe, if God don't bless you, I'm going to give you your money back. He's like, well. <laughs> but, of course, he wanted to, but it gave him the push, and he started tithing. And months went by, and he was downtown. I think it was in Baldwin, if I remember right. And uh, he ran into the pharmacist. And the pharmacist said, Francis, where are you doing business now? And he said, what do you mean? He said, well, you don't come
1: into the pharmacy anymore. and, and, and He had a bill, because he would charge his medicine at the pharmacy, and the bill that was getting bigger, and all of a sudden he didn't have a bill anymore. And he said, Oh, I'm not doing business anywhere else. I just don't need any medicine. And it just dawned on him. You know what? I didn't I didn't get a job making three times as much money. But you know what? I think I'm living under the umbrella. I think of living under the protection and the grace of God. Are y'all with me out there?
0: Man, you, you know, there's no better place to live than right here
1: in the sweet spot, living under the grace of God. Amen. Wow. I like this. Can I just keep preaching like
0: this? I mean, it helps me with the lights up there. But listen, the, the last point here it is the faithful tither. Tithers have faith in God's eternal rewards. Jesus said, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. Store up treasures in heaven. Faithful tithers have faith.
1: Their financial investment will have a direct impact on their eternal reward. They understand that. I heard it said, life can be compared to a dot and a line.
0: A dot represents your life here. It has a beginning and an
1: end. And it's brief. And the line represents eternity. It goes on and on and on. And so, the dot represents Everything we're going to do in this lifetime, but we'll have all eternity
0: to live with the results and the rewards of what we did for the dot.
1: So right now we're living in the dot, but we have to ask ourselves the question, what are we living for? The dot or the line? The person who lives for the dot lives for treasures on this earth only. That
0: treasures that end up in junkyards. The person who lives for the line lives for treasures in heaven. They live, they live for the day whenever they have to meet their maker. They have to go to the award ceremony and they receive their eternal rewards
1: and they receive their new home, their mansion in the new heavens and the new earth, the new Jerusalem. Amen.
0: Jesus tells the story of this man who lived for the dot and not the line. In Luke 12, when he says, he told him a story, a rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. And he said to himself, what should I do? I have room for all my crops. Then he said, I know I'm going to tear down the barns, build bigger ones, and I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, you you will die this very night. Then who will get
1: everything you work for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. This is a story of a man who lived for the dot and not the line. And Jesus called him a fool. Where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. Another way to say it is what you invest in is what you're going to rely on and trust in and put your confidence in. This rich man was making earthly investments and not considering eternity. And Jesus called him a fool. I don't want to be a fool. I want to be wise and consider eternity. That one day I'm going to have to give an account. And I'm going to have to answer for the way that I live my life. Are y'all with me? Would you stand with me and let's close in prayer? <clears throat> Would you just bow with me for just a second? I want to, first of all, just,
0: you might be here today and you're not even sure that you're a Christian. Jesus said nobody can serve two masters. You can't God? You can't serve God and riches or money or wealth or possessions. But maybe today you realize, man, I really need to get my heart right with God. I need to I need to become a Christian. I need to be saved. Everybody's heads are bowed and praying with me and they're going to be praying for you. If you say, Todd, would you pray for me? I'm ready to surrender my life to Christ, man. I'm ready to live my life for Jesus Christ. If that's you, just raise your hand. And I want to pray a special prayer just for you. Just raise your hand and hold it up and just look up here at me. While everybody else has got their heads bowed, you just look up here at me, and I want to pray for you. I want to pray a prayer of faith with you and believe God with you. I'm looking around You Just raise your hand if you say, all right. I don't see any hands up. Well, come on. Can we just ask the Lord? Thank you, sir. Okay, let's pray. Pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross, for shedding your blood so my sins could be forgiven. Thank you for being generous. Thank you for giving your life so I could live. Lord Jesus, I want to be a Christian. I want to live for you. Help me today. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now I want to pray for everybody else. I want I want Jesus to be the master of my heart. What about you? I don't want no nothing crawling up there. Come on. I, I know on, on my money it says in God we trust, but come on. How many of you believe that we we need to wholeheartedly trust God? Amen. So let's pray. Let's dedicate our lives right now. And those of you that uh That have been faithful tithers for a long time. I want you to just receive this and let it just encourage you today. That come on, you're not just writing a check. You're not just giving finances. Come on, you're keeping your heart right. You're keeping your life right. You're staying under that umbrella of protection and grace and God's favor and mercy and blessing is pouring out on you. Father, I thank you, Lord Jesus, for the open heaven that is over the people of God today. Thank you, Father God, that Lord, you're giving us the faith, the confidence. Lord, you're giving us, Lord, the trust that Lord, we can count on you. We can put our faith in you and that you'll never leave us, never forsake us, and that you'll get us to the other side. Thank you, Lord, for being a faithful God that we can count on and that we can rely on and that we can have our identity in. Thank you, Jesus, for being the King of kings and the Lord of lords, I pray in Jesus' name and everybody that agreed said amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. If you need prayer for anything, we'll be up here. If not, God bless you. You have a great weekend. You're dismissed.